Hey everybody, welcome back to the How To Podcast. The How To Podcast is a lifestyle podcast on creating life you want. This week we have Ed Hunt. Ed works with me at Kodiak and he is infamously known as being so well versed in travel hacking. If you haven't heard of travel hacking, at its most basic level, travel hacking is a strategy people use to earn airline miles, hotel points, bank points, cash back, and then find creative ways to use those to be able to get free travel all around the world. It sounds a little crazy, but there's definitely an art to it. Ed is in the studio and he's going to be talking to us about good credit cards to start with for travel hacking, you know, kind of how to keep your credit score in check, how to keep up on that, and just tips and tricks from what he's learned traveling and I kind of pitch into. So I can't wait for you guys to hear. I love talking to Ed. He's such a happy person. You'll, you'll see, you'll see. So I can't wait and let's get started. Hi, Ed. Hey, Lil. How's it going? Good. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Yeah, happy to be here. Yes. Something that people don't know is that I normally record my podcast on Zoom. This is my first in-person podcast. Coming at you live. So I feel like the sound quality has to be better because we're in person. Oh, yeah, definitely. 100%. So kind of a big deal. I'm so pumped to have you on. Um, Ed and I are co-workers at Kodiak Cakes and Ed is all about getting the deals. He's really good at travel hacking, which is a lot of just what we're going to be talking about today. And for people who don't know about you, do you want to give a little intro? Yeah, yeah. A um, couple years out of college, uh, you know, as I said, I work with Lily um, from Connecticut, but moved out here to Salt Lake City Love and loving it. And yeah, um, probably got into, you know, churning credit cards and the, the whole kind of system. Uh, probably about 2017, so a couple of years now under my belt, and it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, just kind of a disclaimer before we really hop in. A general, simple answer, what is travel hacking? Because I think some people will be like, what is that? And then two, you know, is this for everybody? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, travel hacking, if I had to like boil it down, would be basically, you know, opening credit cards in, in some of these deals and stuff like that for the sole purpose of using it for rewards, right? Mm-hmm. Using the the airline miles, using the, the, the hotel, cashback, cash whatever it is, right? Um, and so there's a lot of different ways you can go about that. Um, but I think you hit on, on a good point, which is, is this for everyone? Um, I would say absolutely not. I'd say like <laughs> the things we're gonna be talking about is more like pretty advanced, right? But um, there's gonna be a lot of build up to that uh, beforehand. But anyone, you know, maybe less than like a, a 600 credit score, anyone kind of just building their credit, um, you know, I'd say start off slow, start off with your comfort zone, right? And then mm-hmm. um, as you go, you can kind of progress and maybe get another credit card and try to, right. you know, really build those good habits. Yeah, because you don't want to, if you jump in, you know, too hard, it could end up hurting you, not helping definitely, you. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> you will be crying on the beaches of Mexico. <laughs> All right, so let's just jump into it. When it comes to travel hacking and starting out, you know, if someone's just needing to get a credit card, do you just go to your bank? Do you go get the one from Old Navy? I've had that one. What do you do? Okay, so uh, first off, I would absolutely not get any of those store credit cards, the Victoria's Secrets, the mm-hmm. Old Navy, Bed Bath & Beyond. Um, to be honest, those are horrible deals. Like right. I've been in a Macy's before. And the person was like, oh, like apply for a credit card, you get $8 off. And like, you know, I've seen people actually sign up for it there. That is absolute, you know, garbage in terms of rewards. Mm -hmm. Um, A good threshold, if you're like jumping into this, is like $300 and up worth of rewards from a a sign up bonus. 
is usually what you want to shoot for. So that may look like uh, Chase Sapphire has a sixty thousand dollar or sorry sixty thousand point um, bonus, which is you know roughly six hundred dollars worth of uh, points that you can apply towards you know travel, towards uh, statement balances, stuff like that. Um, so I would not you know jump in and, and you know be like oh I'm gonna get Victoria's Secret, Old Navy, all these different ones. I would avoid those. How would you get started? I think the best way is first seeing what your credit score is, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of pillar number one. So yeah. maybe go to Credit Karma or one of these sites and just check your credit score. See, you know, if you're uh, above a 700 is what I'd shoot for. Mm -hmm. If you're above a 700, I'd start to look at, okay, now I can actually jump in. 700 is where you start to be able to unlock some of the, the higher tier cards. Yeah. Um, and then from there, uh, you know, I would start with, you know, everyone got their has their own bank that they like, but um, I think the best place to start is Chase. They usually have the best rewards mm -hmm. um, and they have tighter uh, churning rules, which we can get into later. But uh, basically you want to start with the, the harder banks, right? Mm -hmm. the, the stricter banks yeah. and then kind of move your way to more uh, liberal banks in terms of, you know, giving out credit and whatnot. Yeah. So a more like liberal bank would be like a Victoria's Secret, Old Navy. Yeah. All of those okay. uh, are, you know, they'll give you a card to, to anyone, but right. you know, another one would be like, uh, after you hit all of your, you know, Chase and, and maybe some of these other banks, uh, Wells Fargo is a little strict, right? But Citibank is pretty lenient, right? Mm -hmm. So if you've had, you know, five or six cards in the last year, you can still apply for a city card. And a lot of times you'll still get approved. Okay. Perfect. There's a lot to uh, dig out through here. Definitely. Um, so let's just start with, okay, we're going to want to go with more of a conservative bank, your Chase, your, you know, yeah, Amex, whatever. What are some good when it comes to travel hacking and wanting to get the best deal? Let's say, you know, you've already passed the point where you feel comfortable to mm -hmm. do this. Your credit score is around 700. So you can start doing that. Um, what are some good beginner credit cards and the perks? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, your chance of getting approved for a credit card always goes up when you have an existing relationship with that entity, right? So if I have a Wells Fargo bank account, the chance of me getting approved by Wells Fargo for a credit card, it goes up, you know, significantly. Same with Chase, same with a lot of these other uh, credit Bank of cards. America. Yes, City, exactly, mm -hmm. right? Um, so if you were just jumping into this, you know, first thing would be, you know, if you don't have a credit card, I would just get a credit card without an annual fee that mm -hmm. you can hold on to forever, mm -hmm. right? So that's the fine print. Some people don't always put that there's an annual fee. Yep. So usually the, the better cards you get, the, the more perks, right? Amex cards, um, you know, a lot of them have annual fees. A lot of the high-end chase cards, they'll have a fee that every account anniversary you get charged, mm -hmm. right? But if you are just jumping into this, you're 20-something, right? And just mm -hmm. trying to build that credit. The way I would start is get a good non-annual fee card, right? Okay. And so this is a card that you can hold on to for, you know, I have cards that I've held on to for eight years plus, mm -hmm. right? Discover is a really good one. Discover is a perfect one, exactly. There's, you know, Chase Freedom. It's another good one if you, if a banking relationship with Chase. Um, so there's a lot of good options there. But then after that, if you want to start looking at some of the higher bounty, you know, offers, uh, and, and actually I'll, I'll kind of stop there and explain how to get these offers, right? right. And so for signing up for the credit card, you don't magically get this money, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if you think about this from the, the credit card's point of view, um, they put out sign-up bonuses, right? And so it's it'll be something like for the Chase Sapphire card, it'll be spend 3,000 in the first three months on this card. Mm -hmm. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to get you to have that card as your number one, 
Right. right? They want you to go into every restaurant and swipe that card. Because you need to reach that 3000 to get the reward. Yeah, because you need to get the reward. But also, they make money on their end, right? And a lot of people think that credit card companies just make money from you being late, right, mm -hmm. on, on payments and whatnot. But they actually make the bulk of their money usually from transaction charges, hmm. right? So when you go to a restaurant and you charge your credit card, it's usually like a, a 10 cent flat fee plus 3% of the bill goes to that credit card company. Okay, right? so they so, want to be your number one trustee card. Exactly, exactly, right? And so in order to get you to be their number one you know, card, right, they want to incentivize that. And so they'll offer some huge rewards sometimes just to get you to regularly use that card. Totally. Um, so that's kind of like the high level what that looks like. And then so if you look at that, um, the way I, I would kind of go about it is points don't help you at all if you can't use them for what you want or what mm -hmm. you're spending on, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're traveling, we'll just make up something. If you're traveling to Cancun mm -hmm. and you're saying, okay, Cancun has a lot of Delta flights, right? Right. Then you should pivot and be like, okay, I don't need a hotel card because I'm you know, using this over here or whatever. Uh, I'm going to focus on getting Amex points. Right. Right. And getting Delta points. Right. right. Amex points you can transfer to Delta. Mm -hmm. So, um, so like I have a Delta Amex. It's an Amex card branded by Delta. Yeah. 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 So, so it's basically a partnership between Delta and, and Amex. And so, yeah. um, cause I want to fly that Delta flight to Cancun. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to sign up. Yes. So, okay. you know, the way I would go about this is say, okay, say if Lily, you want to travel first class Cancun, mm -hmm. want to, you know, party all the Love way down. It. Right. <laughs> um, you know, you start off with a, a good, maybe Delta card, right. Mm -hmm. Maybe the Delta gold card. Right. Um, you know, annual fee waived, get a good amount of points. Right. And then after that, you can start looking at maybe regular Amex cards, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Amex every day, some of these other cards. And what you can do is every airline, every hotel, for the most part, has a like a transfer option with certain banks. So okay. Chase has United, Hyatt, and Marriott. Okay. Amex. Those are their partnership cards. Exactly. So if you okay. get Chase points, you can transfer to any of those. Oh, okay. If you get Amex points, you probably know them, right? Right. What are they? Do you know? Delta. Yep. Hilton. Yep. And but yeah, that, that's, oh, for that's, the most, that's for the most part. Okay. They, have, they have other ones. They have IHG and some of these other right. kind of smaller ones, but those are and the big ones. matter. Yeah, exactly. Delta and Hilton. I'm a Delta Hilton person. Thousand percent. Yeah. And, and so City has American, right? And, and so, um, you know, I would try to think about this strategically mm -hmm. and be like, okay, if I'm flying Delta, I want to get the most points there. Here are the cards I can get, you know, to either transfer over or straight up Delta points mm -hmm. to earn that flight. Okay. Just basically kind of have an airline that you are going to stick with based upon the card that you're signing up with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I would go about this really slow to start, right? Mm -hmm. If you're, you know, maybe yeah, don't jump in and apply for three. Yeah, exactly. I, I would start, you know, a good rule of thumb is, you know, start with every six months. Yeah. Try to try to apply for a credit card, get approved, hit the annual, uh, the minimum spend, right. Mm -hmm. For the bonus. Yeah. And then use those points, right. And get comfortable with that whole process. By the flight, you want to, yep, with points. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so get comfortable with that. Right. And then once you're pretty comfortable with it, apply for another one, right? Mm -hmm. And make sure the whole time you're monitoring your credit score, you're paying off balances in full every single month, okay. right? And once you start to understand that progress or that process, uh, it starts to get easier and easier. And you yes. start to just know offhand, like what's a good deal, what's a bad deal. Right. And so... Um, I can see where people really need to focus on their credit score, on what they're spending, on if they're paying it off because... I can see that getting a little messy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and so like, I would say start slow 
And then once you start building up, you know what's a really good deal, right? And what's a really bad deal, right? Mm -hmm. When you go to Victoria's Secret, you'll look at it and be like, oh my God, I'm only getting $15 back. Yeah. I will never waste a hard pull on that, right? Right. On my credit score, a hard pull, and, you know, lower it down by one or two points okay. for $15. Yeah, totally. So yeah, $15 Victoria's Secret, not as good as a trip to Mexico. Definitely. I have a Delta Amex, so I only know some of those, but like mm -hmm. I know when I signed up for my Delta card, I got like 70,000 points. And to put it in perspective, you can fly to Cancun for like 62,000 points. So yep. it can pay for a full flight versus Definitely. your $15 off Victoria's Secret. You know, we talk a lot about having a good credit score to do this and maybe starting off slow, doing it every six months. How does this affect someone's credit score? Yeah, definitely a big question. The first thing I always hear is like, you know, I tell people like, I've had about like 12 credit cards in the last year or two. Which is crazy. Yeah, That's but it's, it's a little advanced, right? But yeah. the first thing they'll say is, you know, oh my God, I bet you your credit score is like, you know, 400, like your default and then everything, right? Because the more essentially, the more like open credit you have, the more open credit cards you have, your credit score is gonna get dinged. Yeah, so it, this is actually a, a common like misnomer, right? Is um, people always think, so there's a thing called recent inquiry on okay. your credit score, okay? And it only goes back two years, but anytime you apply for uh, a credit line, right? So this could be applying for student loans, right? Refinancing, could be a credit card, could be a house. A anytime somebody checks your credit score, um, like officially, uh, it'll ding your credit, credit report and credit score, right? Uh, it's only like a two to four point ding. So if you're thinking about, you know, if your score is at 800, like I wouldn't even sweat this. What's a perfect credit score? Uh, 850. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that's the first thing that people think of and they say, oh my God, if I apply for a credit card, I'm going to, you know, hurt my credit. But actually for, especially a lot of younger people, it actually helps their credit. Hmm. Okay. And this is like pretty interesting that most people don't think about is credit utilization is the number one factor on a credit, credit report. Okay. And what's credit utilization? If I have one credit card and it has a thousand dollar limit on it, okay? And every month I spend a thousand dollars on it, to the bank, that looks really bad, mm -hmm. right? And you know, because you're using all of the all money that you line, say you're right? gonna borrow. And the reason that looks bad is before everyone defaults, before everyone stops paying, guess what they do? They try to use up all their credit, mm -hmm. right? Because they're trying to get out of this mess, right? Okay, maybe if I just keep like using more, right? And so once they go through that proce process, um, at the end, you know, is that maxed out credit utilization, right? Mm -hmm. So say if I have that thousand dollar line of credit, mm -hmm. credit card, I'm spending a thousand dollars on it and I apply for another credit card. Okay. Now that one gives me another, we'll say a thousand dollars. Okay. Now all of a sudden it looks like I'm using 50% of my credit right, utilization. Because it's an IRS. IRS just says, I don't know if that's right. <laughs> but it just says like Ed Hunt now has $2,000. And now he's only using 50% because you're only using that thousand yep. opposed to a hundred percent. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so it's not the IRS, but okay. uh, I know I, I was looking at you. I was like, <laughs> they correct me, correct me. Yep. So that's a big way it can help your credit score. Yeah. Right. Another way it can help your credit score is the number of accounts on mm -hmm. your credit score. The more accounts you have, the better. Okay. Right. And this is something people don't think about is, um, think about this from this way. Um, you're a bank and you're going to lend this person credit. If they have a ton of existing relationships with other banks, right? They're like, okay, I'm comfortable because this person knows, you know, they pay knows back, the right? Yeah, knows the game, knows that, you know, to pay in full, all these things, right? And so to a credit card company, the more, the number of accounts you have, to a certain point, uh, the better, right? Yeah. And so if you have just one line of credit, you know, it looks a lot worse to a bank than if you have six solid lines of credit. Right, okay, that makes sense. 
I never thought about it like that. Definitely. And so yeah. like people always think of that, that recent inquiry charge mm -hmm. and it will, you know, bump your credit score two to four points down. Mm -hmm. Um, but after your first statement, a lot of times it actually goes up and after two years, those recent inquiries fall off credit report. So okay. they don't even yep. matter anymore. Right. And again, like we said before, it's, you know, don't apply to all these with a $600 credit score. Like yep. make sure you're in a pretty good place. Like, do, is there like an average credit score that people yeah, so if you're under 600, a lot of people are in this this yeah. boat, but I would look at your credit score is the first thing. Diagnose what's happening, right? And if you go on a place like Credit Karma, mm -hmm. they'll say, you know, this is because maybe your credit utilization is too high, right? Or maybe you don't have a credit card. You have no lines of credit, mm -hmm. which you think would look good to a bank, right? Yeah. A lot of people get to 28 years old, 30 years old, and they're like, okay, trying to apply for a mortgage, right? And I'm going to buy a house. And they get their credit score and it's, you know, in the 500s and they're like, I, you know, what am I doing wrong? I, I've never owed anyone money. And it's because to a bank, you look sus like suspect, right? Because, right. yeah, 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 exactly. Because, <laughs> um, you know, nobody's ever lent you money. Is there a reason for that? Is there something the bank doesn't know? Right. Where if you're, you know, 20 years old and you maybe start out with a secured credit card, like a secured Discover card, like mm -hmm. you said, right? Which is like basically a, a debit card, right? Yeah. You give them $300 or whatever, and that's your line of, of credit. And you just pay that off every month. And now you have one account, right? Mm -hmm. And you have that credit utilization mm -hmm. and you keep working yourself up from there, right? Then, you know, maybe your credit yeah. score goes up to a 650 and you're like, okay, what else do I need to do? I need to make sure I'm paying in full, mm -hmm. right? And all these other things that are just good habits to get into. Yeah. And once you're over 700, anything over 720 for the most part stops mattering like mm -hmm. significantly, um, you know, especially for like car rates, mortgages, like once you hit like 750, anything above that is just like, you know, bragging rights for the most yeah, part. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think a lot of college graduates will see this, especially if you don't have any student loans or you don't have any car payments. They're like, I need to build my credit and they don't know where to start. Yeah. A lot of times you get suckered into those old navies and the bed, bath and beyonds. Yeah. So just going back on two things. The first one, we mentioned annual fees on these credit cards. What do those usually range? I know for my personal, like my platinum Amex for Delta, it's $250. It's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the card really does have great perks. I mean, are annual fees worth it? Are there any way around it? You know, what are your thoughts on annual fees yeah. for credit cards? Yeah. So, you know, if you're just jumping into this and you don't have any credits like cards, the first place I would start was with a no annual fee card, right? right. We kind of already touched on that. Um, then if you're looking to kind of move up from there, start playing the game a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Start playing the game a little bit. There's a lot of credit cards that will waive the annual fee for the first year. Right. And this is the idea of like, you know, is it part of the sign up package? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Right. So like, um, Delta gold card is mm -hmm. notorious for waiving that, that first year annual fee. And then they hit you with it next year. Right. Mm -hmm. I would start with one of those cards and see if this is for you. Right. See if you can kind of, uh, have that self-control to kind of look at this mm -hmm. and, you know, execute on, on trips, but you know, annual fees that I wouldn't say are a waste. It just, you have to make sure you're using, uh, you know, all the perks of the card. So like right. me, I'm, I'm at the point where I probably, 10 or 15 credit cards. There's That's no way crazy. I can use all the perks on each card, right? Yeah. So I'm very selective with the ones that I keep. I'll kind of walk through a conversation I had this week. So I had an annual fee post for my Delta Reserve card, mm -hmm. which is you know, $450. And mm -hmm. I was kind of on the fence of keeping it. You get lounge access with it, which is nice. Mm -hmm. um, but I wasn't flying much this last year because of COVID. Right. And I was kind of on the fence of keeping it. And I said, yeah, what's the harm in calling, right? right. And, and I do this with almost every annual fee. Even if I plan on keeping the card, I'll call them just in case, right? right? And so um, just so you know, if you don't want to pay the annual fee after a year, I would always wait until after it posts on your credit statement. Mm -hmm. 
a lot of people think that you need to cancel beforehand. But after a post, I would just call them up. Say, so it hey. just shows up on your statement. Yep, shows up on your statement. Just call in and just say, hey, you know, I love this card, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's great benefits, um, but I'm planning on canceling, right? And that's kind of how I start all of my conversations. You know, some co companies will transfer you to cancellation and you'll just cancel the card, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, Capital One does that. There's mm -hmm. a couple other ones. However, a lot of credit card companies, they spent that huge sign-up bonus, all the marketing, right? All the advertisements to, to get you to get the card. Mm -hmm. They want to keep you, right? Yeah. And so a big way that they keep you is retention offers. Mm -hmm. So what that looks like is, you know, I called in, I said, hey, um, you know, got this card that I haven't really used. I think I'm going to bounce on it, right? And uh, they said, you know, hey, you've been a member since XYZ. How about we give you 15,000 Delta points to, you know, to have you as a customer? And, you know, at the time, like I said, I was kind of on the fence. So that was enough to push me to be like, okay, I'll, I'll keep it for the lounge perks mm -hmm. plus 15K in, in Delta points. points. Yeah. But if I didn't want that, I may push for something more mm -hmm. or I may just cancel still, right? Yeah. And it's nice to have that those that options. Option. And then another thing is some in, uh, annual fees, you can just get waived. They won't do anything unless you ask because they're, you know, they can only react once yeah. you ask. But uh, you'll say something like, hey, uh, maybe in the Delta Gold card, you'll say, uh, hey, I'd like to cancel this card. They're going to ask why you're canceling. You say, oh, I just can't afford this $95 annual fee because I haven't been traveling with COVID. And then after that, they'll say, oh, well, if we waive that, you know, would that be able to help, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, that's kind of like what a dialogue looks like. And then you can kind of decide if you want to keep it or not. Totally. I mean, I know I'm someone who it's like, I want to have the full story before I go in. And not like it's a lie. It's just, again, exercising your options. But if they were like, well, we see that you're using this card all the time because it's your main card. So would they call you out and be like, well, I just don't know if you'd actually yeah, would cancel. So, so a couple things here. One is they don't really check your statement balance. And, and then the second thing is they don't know what using your credit is, right? And mm -hmm. so like maybe to them, they you have a 5,000 credit line, right? And you're using $1,000 of it. But maybe over here with Chase, you're using $20,000 a month with True, them. You love them, right? Yeah. They don't know your situation. And so uh, a lot of times, you know, they'll just go off of what you say, right? right? And, so yeah. don't read into it too much. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? And, and you can always say like, oh, I'm just switching to my, my, you know, my Chase, card? yeah, my Chase Hyatt card, right? Yeah. I'm moving away from this because of XYZ. Right, and would you say this is pretty foolproof or like, is it a thing to like, be prepared that they will say no to? Yeah, yeah, I would say they, def they definitely will say no, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I would have like an understanding of like what you're gonna do in, mm -hmm. in each situation going into it. The best thing you can do is, oh man, I thought I'd get a retention offer. Um, can I call you back and, and just think about this some more? And guess what? They don't care. They're yeah. gonna say, yep, call us back at this number anytime, right? Cool. And you click and then you get the, you know, you can call again, right? You can try a different customer service rep, which sometimes works, or you can just cancel the card, right? If, yeah. if you're comfortable with that. Yeah, no, that's great. The second thing that you had kind of mentioned is at the very beginning, whenever you're doing that spend to get the reward that they're offering you. So for example, you need to spend $3,000 within the, within the first three months of having this card to get X, Y, and Z rewards, bonuses, points, whatever. What if it's like, you know, you have a week left on of your first three months and you've only spent two out of the $3,000. I mean, should you be pretty panicked? Should you cancel the card? What's, what's your tips on that? Yeah. So 3,000 in the first three months is pretty standard for most good offers. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's a great question is you need to be careful here because you can't just uh, you know, on the high end, so past what I do, there's these people that, that do what we call manufactured spend, mm -hmm. which is they will literally game the system. They'll buy, 
Visa, you know, gift cards, and then they'll go to the store and cash them in for, you know, they'll do all these crazy things um, just to get the points on the card. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't ever do stuff that you're uncomfortable with or that you're, you know, feel is, is, isn't moral. Mm -hmm. Right. But the way I look at it is the first thing you can do is put any balance that you were going to pay off, right? Any cash that you were going to use at a restaurant, put it all on your credit card, right? Mm -hmm. And it's actually better that way because debit cards are a lot less safe than credit cards. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of like, as you far know, as like hacking and security. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you think about this, um, if I get fraud on my credit card, I call my bank and I say, Hey, that's not my charge. Take it off. Right. Mm -hmm. And guess what? They take it off mm -hmm. with a debit card. Say if they take a thousand dollars out of your bank account, you say, Hey, that's not my pull. Mm -hmm. They say, okay, we'll look into this. Right. Mm -hmm. But they don't just give you the thousand dollars back immediately. Right. They have to investigate. They have to investigate. Right. Mm -hmm. And so instead of getting your money back immediately, like you do with a credit card with a debit card, it takes longer. Right. Yeah. So how would you go about hitting this minimum spend of $3,000? Uh, so first thing is put all that money on, you know, all of your transactions on the credit card. And then from there, you know, Lily, you mentioned something before offline, which is like, oh, I paid for my friend's travel with my with my card. It's a great way to hit spend, right? Kind of mm -hmm. being resourceful, being like, oh, I'll cover this restaurant bill if everyone just Venmo's me, right? right. Stuff like that. Um, and then also, you know, a lot of times if I'm getting close, right, if it's the last two weeks, I'll go to the places I normally shop, like a Harmon's, which is a mm -hmm. grocery store out here in Salt Lake City, or a gas station, right? And I'll just buy a $100 gift card, right? Mm -hmm. And so basically what I'm doing is I'm spending that money on gas now, and then I'm going to use that $100 in a month or two, right? Yeah. What I wouldn't do is I wouldn't get in the habit of being like, oh, I need, I need to hit $500 more. I guess I'll go to H&M and, you know, max just out this card, on. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, man, I guess I'll go to Lululemon, right? So um, I would make sure everything you're doing is very deliberate, but there's certain ways you can go about it. Also paying rent, my, yeah. my current place, you know, allows credit cards. So I may not use this all the time because there's a fee to it. But say if I'm getting close, I may pay, you know, a thousand or two thousand with my credit card, yeah. right? And then boom, I'm I'm at the 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 sign up bonus minimum. Yes, I've done that before. There you go. It is a little bit of a ding or like extra fee to use a credit card, but it can be worth it. Yeah. To get those rewards, um, that's great. And so something that people I don't think we touched on totally yet was that not currently, but you're Last job at Smuckers, mm -hmm. great Uncrustables, by the way. <laughs> you flew 46 weeks out of the year. Yes. So a lot of travel and, you know, so you're obviously well-versed in the travel game. What are some of your best travel tips? Do yeah. You think? So, so I, I used to fly out every Monday and come back every Thursday and my mm -hmm. territory was the Northwest. Mm -hmm. So I was flying out of Ohio and I'd go anywhere from Minneapolis to Seattle to San Fran to Salt mm -hmm. Lake City, right? Yeah. Um, any city within, you know, those kind of four points, right? Yeah. And so um, there's a lot of places I explored. It was a fantastic experience, um, but I got really good at like cutthroat travel, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, this is gonna be different for everyone. I know a lot of people like to pack different outfits, right? Yeah. But I got really minimalistic on what I what I bring, right? Yeah. And I, you know, I've done trips to uh, Amsterdam and Bruges with just a backpack, oh right? Gosh. And, you know, for a week or, mm -hmm. you know, a week and a half and, you know, not, having to worry about all this stuff bagging mm -hmm. me down, right? Everyone's going to have their own way about going about travel. But the big thing I would say is, number one, uh, sign up for all of the, the hotel and the airline loyalty programs. Mm -hmm. uh, you may say, oh, I only fly once or twice a year. Maybe it's not worth it. Yeah. Um, but you'd be surprised at how, you know, if you fly once every two years, a lot of times it just renews this. Yeah. And so, you know, 
after five years, you may have enough to pay for a flight, right? Which mm -hmm. may be $500 worth of travel that you don't need to spend. Yeah. Uh, so the first thing would be sign up for all those things. Um, and then the, a big thing is uh, stick to try to stick to one uh, airline and one hotel. And that's mm -hmm. how you start climbing the status ladder. Yeah. And so I would look in your area. Usually every airport has a preferred airline there. Mm -hmm. um, so in Salt Lake City, it's Delta. Delta. In Cleveland, it was United. Different cities have mm -hmm. preferred airlines there right. that kind of. You know, Missouri Southwest. Yeah, exactly. They have different hubs, right? And so that's an easy way to pick your airline is what's the closest airport and mm -hmm. what's the the most flights leaving there, right? Right. And then uh, hotels, it's kind of up to you. I would start out, you know, don't feel like you need to get status immediately. I would try out a quality Hilton, you know, uh, a Marriott and a Hyatt, and just. Pick which one you like best, right? And then from there, you can kind of narrow down and like, okay, this is going to be my preferred chain. Yeah. I think something I've learned too in traveling is even if you do, you know, I'm Delta girl through and through, but you know, <laughs> even if I do have to fly American, I do have to fly Southwest, definitely still make an account, get the points because people yep. underestimate us. Southwest is my second dairy airline. But I mean, within the last three years, I've flown it enough where I was able to buy a flight. So I just think don't ever waste points is a big one. Like yeah. I said, sign up for everything. And I mostly stay at Hilton's, but I still have a Marriott account too, just in case, you know, you're ever needing to do it. And something that people don't know also is I remember when I first started traveling for work back in 2018, not at Kodiak, but before that, um, I did so many business trips where I stayed at Hilton and I didn't even know you could have points yeah. or rewards. And so a lot of the times if you start up Hilton account and you've already been traveling for three months and you've been staying at Hilton's multiple times, there's a way you can go on and like add old reservations so they can add those points on later. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And that's how you start getting like, you know, upgrades, mm -hmm. right? That's how you start getting like just random stuff. Like a lot of hotels, they'll be like, right. oh, thank you for being a preferred member. We can upgrade you to a suite or mm -hmm. give you, you know, 2000 points. Yeah. And you may not care where you sleep that night, right? But you right. may be like, okay, 2000 points, that's worth about... You know, $20 in points, I'll take it, right? Yeah, totally. And it's a lot, I feel like, with airlines. I know Southwest, they don't have, like, a first class or anything, but they do have the, that companion certificate, yep. which always Big. looks so nice. So uh, something pretty interesting is I got my parents a companion pass by travel hacking, okay? Oh. So um, what, what you can do, and I think you can still do this, I think it's still fair game, is you could apply for two Southwest cards, a business card if you have a business, right? Mm -hmm. And remember, a business according to credit card companies is do you sell stuff on eBay, right? It could be a sole proprietorship. It could be you Uber on the weekends, right? Or you DoorDash, right? These are all businesses, right? Because you're a sole proprietor, you're an independent contractor mm -hmm. in all of them, right? So I had my mom apply for a business card and uh, my mom also applied later for a personal card. Mm -hmm. And because I think it was 140,000 points you needed to get passed in a year, and they allowed credit card points to qualify for that. Mm -hmm. So in one calendar year, she got over 140,000 Southwest points. Mm -hmm. And then she was able to travel and bring my father wherever she went for free, Yeah. right? And all she had to pay was the taxes on the flight. Mm -hmm. And so now she has 140,000 points. Yeah. So she's paying with points, yeah. right? And traveling and with my father, companion. exactly. Oh my gosh, yeah. Travel hacking really is such a good deal. It, but you have to be well-versed in you, it. You have to kind of understand it. And this is why we say, like, go slow, right? Mm -hmm. Start out with, with the process. Like, that's a perfect example. Yeah, exactly. And, and my parents, you know, definitely aren't big into this, but they just trusted <laughs> me, right? And yeah. I was like, hey, do this and do this, and, you know, you can get some free flights. Yeah. Whenever it's signing up for, like, a Southwest business, do you need to prove sole proprietorship or that you Uber, you know? Yeah, so, so I, I would never, like, lie 
on, right. on an application, right? But the things I mentioned are all businesses, right? Yeah. And so uh, I wouldn't say they're incorporated and this is my company name, right? Mm-hmm. I would say, hey, we're a sole proprietorship. I actually have a business card for um, some side work I do. And uh, basically what I said is, hey, this is my um, sole proprietorship, right? Which basically means it's just me. Mm-hmm. This is the amount of money I'm going to make in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the card I'm asking for, basically, right? And you apply just like a regular personal card. And, uh, you know, some places, if it all checks out, they'll just approve you. Others will move you to screening, right? A call. And mm-hmm. so they'll call you up and say, hey, like, just want to verify this or this piece yeah. of information. And, you know, you talk with them and just be honest. And sometimes you can get a business card without even thinking this is an official business, right? Yeah, totally. And you can use both of those cards to work up to that. Exactly. Yep. Okay. That's nice. That's really nice. Okay. This last part of the podcast, we're almost wrapping up here, um, is something called factor crap. So I don't, you honestly might know these answers. I hope you're not looking at my computer screen. There's really only two because I feel like there's two big ones like, you know, Mythbusters, Factor Crap, on the best way to get the best deals. Okay. So I first... might not know these, so we'll okay. see. If, we'll I mean, see. you have a 50% chance. Up. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the first one is buying flights on Tuesdays. Have you heard about that? I have. A lot of people will say if you buy, on, if you buy your tickets on a Tuesday, you are going to get cheaper yeah. flights. Yeah, I, I think probably in the past this was a thing, mm-hmm. but I think probably with computer algorithms, they kind of just know now that it's, you know, they, they manipulate prices in certain ways. So mm-hmm. um, I'm going to say crap. You're right. Yes. Okay, good, good. Ed is also an analyst. So I feel like he just like has the natural analyst. <laughs> like he knows, he knows. You're actually very correct. It used to be like this. There really is no proven study that this is true. There's a lot of studies that's actually pretty varied and it's better to be flexible on the time that you arrive or leave your destination than being flexible on when you buy it just because it really can vary and a good rule of thumb for those if you want to fly domestic it's around 57 days before you take off if you want to fly international the best time to buy would be 171 days before you take off um and a lot of like travel bloggers things like that they say around six weeks so kind of around that 57 days got it um and then it's just common sense like obviously to fly in and in or out somewhere on a weekday is going to be cheaper um, than flying in or out on weekends. The best thing is to be more flexible on when you fly in and out of your location and then not as much when you buy it. Yeah, you know, like that makes sense. You buy a ticket on a Saturday, you buy a ticket on a Monday. Um, there was a, a lot of things that said it was like maybe a 1% variance and that's just, you know, yeah, yeah it, it's it a can wash. vary. So that is crap. The other one that is a really big one is buying flights in incognito browsers because obviously these websites have cookies. They can track if you've been looking up a flight over and over and over. So if you look in incognito mode, they can't track your cookies and they're going to bring up cheaper flights. I'm going to go fact. Okay. It's crap. Okay. I know. And this one really did surprise me because, you know, we all know that Facebook, Google, everything can track you now. So they do know if you're looking at flights, but there was a study done back in 2012 and that Orbitz did admit that they showed Mac users higher priced hotel rooms than PC users. Interesting. But what it was, was that it was showing a Mac user just a more premium room. So the Mac user could still access the cheaper quote unquote room they were showing the PC user, but they were just more so changing 
what you saw versus what was available. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you were seeing the higher price room, but it's because you were in a premium room where, you know, of course you're going to be on a PC. Um, they're going to show you <laughs> the more basic room for cheaper. So it's going to look like you got offered, but I could still buy yours. You could still buy mine. Got it. So it's not necessarily the price, but it's just the, it's more of like a customized experience. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of studies too showed that whenever you log into your account, whether it's on your airline, whether it's your hotel, and also going back to that, Orbit took that feature off because they did get called out. <laughs> um, but just logging into your travel account is the best thing you can do because since you, you know, they can see you're a frequent flyer on Delta on Southwest, they can customize like times at the top that you like the best, things like that. There was a consumer report study done in 60% of the time when the prices differed, it usually favored the people who were logged into their account. So the lower price went to the user who was logged in versus the one on an anonymous browser. So again, just the customized experience. Yeah, yeah. So that one was crap. They're okay, crap. there you so go. Basically, be flexible on when you fly in and out. That's better than trying to pick and choose when you buy your flight and then also don't i mean the incognito browser it's show, there's like no study on either one that you know you need to buy on a certain date or go in incognito that is um basically all we have for today and i'm really excited for people to listen to this and to be able to travel hack where are just some places that you've been able to travel hack your way to yeah so with the help of my lovely fiance Cassie. Uh, yeah we are going to hawaii Nice. Uh, Maui, full hotels and flights paid for with travel hacking. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. You guys are getting married soon. Yep. Honeymoon. Yep. Yay. I'm so excited for you. Um, we just saw Cassie earlier. I was talking to her and she, what is it? 40 days? Yep. Yep. 40, 42 days. 42 days. I love it. By the time this airs, it'll be like in the 30s. So yeah. ah, <laughs> this really is helpful and this really like can give you all the adventures that you want to look for as long as you're smart about it and as long as you're keeping an eye on credit score and just being smart. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I'd say usually bringing around $2,000 worth of value a year in traveling through nice. this method. Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't try to push that any further, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I would, I would stick to what you're comfortable with, right? So if you mm -hmm. want to apply for one credit card a year, that's mm -hmm. better than zero, right? Yeah. So so scale at the, the way that you want. Yeah, totally. Um, Ed doesn't have an Instagram, so you can't really find him after this. You can find him on LinkedIn. But should we tell them about your your main Instagram? Oh, yes. My main Instagram. Yeah, tell them. So, um, you know, Ed works at Kodiak with me. And whenever we would go to these influencer in-person events pre-COVID, we invited Ed to come to one. And he was like, what do I talk to the people about? And we were like, I don't know, Instagram. They're all on Instagram. They're influencers. He was like, I don't have an Instagram. And so we made Ed an Instagram. Yep. What is it called? It's called Ed Goes to Work. <laughs> Nothing but quality content on Nothing it. Nothing but Because quality. I don't have any access to the account. Yes. Only Lily does. Yes, I, I fully run Ed Goes to Work. It's just basically taking pictures of Ed across the room. Some candid shots. Yep. Yep. So if you want to find Ed on Instagram, you can find him at, at Ed Goes to Work. Or if you want to find him on LinkedIn, Ed Hunt. Or, or Cassie. Cassie's, I, I feel like if I ever like need to tell Ed something, I'm like, hey, Cass, can you tell Ed this? Because, you know, she's on top of it. So she is. we're, again, so thankful that you were able to hop on the podcast and we'll talk to everybody next week. Bye.
Hey guys, it's Lily. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting. If you ever want to find a way to help support me even more, you can rate this five stars on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on Spotify. Again, thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week.